This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. Hello, good morning, gentlemen. Good, good morning. morning. Good morning. You're back somewhere safe, Jethro. You seem to be in front of your familiar backdrop. I am home. I am back from the land of no Wi-Fi and terrible organization <laughs> and people smoking everywhere. Mm. And I am I now will be able to talk to you with probably only a one-second delay instead of a 27-minute or whatever it was last time. Well, you're operating a little faster than the three of us, so I think that's perfect. You're like Verstappen. Ideally, a three-second delay mm. would be best for us. <laughs> Charlie and I both edit the show, as you know. We're cutting out almost nothing of yours. There's there's no gaps in how you talk. There's not a lot of ums. You're such a polished British commentator professional. It's impressive. Well, thank you. That's very kind. You were, uh, obviously, you were covering Le Mans, yeah? I was. So, uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was the 100th anniversary of Le Mans. So, first race was 1923. Terrible idea to race for 24 hours, to be honest, but <laughs> it was a spectacular race. So, They've changed the rules recently, introduced this new hypercar class because the old LMP1 cars were just getting ridiculously expensive to produce and manufacturers were scared to come in because it was a bit like F1, the investment, but without the visibility. And the result is that Ferrari are back, Porsche are back, Cadillac were there. Next year, we've got BMW, Lamborghini, Alpine, and various others coming back. So yeah, it was really good. And Ferrari won for the first time in 58 years? Ferrari were on pole position, and they built a car that lasted 24 hours. Unbelievable. Can you believe it? No. I think most of the F1 world can't believe it. Charles Leclerc was there. Can you imagine his mindset watching this? Like, what the fuck is going on? They can't build me a car that will do an hour and a half. Yeah. I, he must have been thinking, like, this is a turnkey operation. Can't we just drop them in Canada next weekend and see uh -huh. how they do? It'd be amazing. He was talking it up. He was talking about how he wants to be part of the race one day. I interviewed Giovinazzi, who used to drive for Alfa Romeo. He won the race with Ferrari, so he was always a Ferrari sort of reserve driver. He was super emotional, in tears at the end of the race, and I managed to get hold of him. Is he the Ferrari Jesus, they called him? The guy with the long hair? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's had his hair cut now. Okay. Yeah, he's done pretty well. Jesus Cristo, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But it was cool. I um, briefly met LeBron James. I saw oh, that. You did? Wait, you saw? Well, of there course, he posted on his He posted on his story, and there was like <laughs> LeBron right beside him. He was making a comment. I commented back, and I'm like, this is almost like the Yuki photo of like the height difference. Yeah, but he's yeah. like, 
Did you did you feel greatly emasculated just being next to him? I did, but <laughs> it, it was a weird setup. It's a really weird because so every year they have someone wave the trickle or the French flag to sort of start the race. And this year, the hundredth anniversary, they get LeBron, and I know he's huge and an icon, particularly in the US. But it just it seemed a weird decision for the hundredth running. Felt like a different genre. Yeah, and he just. He was cool enough, um, and he said all the right things about, you know, being into the history and the race and everything, but you couldn't help thinking that it was bullshit and he was there for the money only. He didn't really want to speak to many people. Luckily, one of the guys I work with on Eurosport is Tom Christensen, and he's the nine-time winner of Le Mans, so he's won it more than anyone else. Mm. They call him Mr. Le Mans, and he was the Grand Marshal. So it was basically, for all the ceremonial crap that they do, it was him, the head of the ACO, who organized the race, and LeBron. So we were basically the only people who managed to speak to LeBron through Tom Christensen. So, yeah, but he was he seemed cool enough. He didn't really want to engage hugely, but he's, uh, he's a big dude. Were you upset when the Duck Dynasty was the host three years ago? Really? The they cast were? Car- the Those cast guys did du- it? Yeah, the, the Duck Dynasty cast no. did it three years ago. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm fucking about. with yeah. you. Do <laughs> you even know Duck Dynasty? <laughs> no, I, I'm like, what? Oh my <laughs> God, it was this reality show that swept America about a decade ago and it was about this family who makes duck collars and everything you <laughs> fill in the blanks for, you go ahead and do so. You know, huge beards. <laughs> and we, the country was just enamored yeah. with them. I feel like they'd be the perfect Le Mans uh, uh-huh. Grand Marshals or whatever the title is. <laughs> Do they win anything there? Is it just for pride or... or is there any cashies yeah, on the like, table? What, what do you, what's... Oh, at Le Mans. Yeah. So it's part of the World Endurance Championship. So you get double points for it. But no, it's just... It's the biggest endurance race in the world. There's 400,000 people there. Wow. Oh it my was God. insane. The grid walk... Yeah, this is great. You, I mean, you've been on an F1 grid walk, so you know the chaos... The grid walk initially had 11,000 people on it. Oh, wow. And then, and then after a certain amount of time, they kicked off the non-VIPs, who were still VIPs, I guess. But even the sort of final part of it had 1,400 people on the grid. It was wow. insanity. And trying to, like, interview people. And, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was a really cool event. But I always get the graveyard shift, so I had to do midnight till... 5.30 in the morning in the pits mm. and trying to interview people. And everyone's wow. obviously either asleep or they don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. But it was a mega race. It was absolutely nuts. I miss the days when they used to have to do a light sprint before they got in the cars. Because then, you know, mm. if you're a little disadvantaged mechanically, you think you might run a quicker 40-yard dash than the <laughs> other guy. That was a nice little perk. Yeah, it was a nice touch, but a bit harder with hands and cars that you can't actually climb. All the more reason to bring it back. Some guys would be 13 minutes before they got in the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, can you imagine? But I sat in the Porsche 963. So Porsche had a mare. Their car just isn't very quick and isn't reliable. But I sat in it. So it was cool to sit in a top-level sort of factory car. And the driving position is so weird because your hips and butt, basically, are considerably lower than your feet. Your feet are sort of um, fed down into the footwell, which is above... And that's the same as F1. So it's a really odd experience to feel that. And that's, I guess that's the F1 driving experience as well. But yeah, it's really disorientating. You're so reclined. Your feet are above your hit point. So if they weren't super busy, those feet, you'd probably go numb in your legs. Yeah, it's quite comfy because it's almost like 
being in a bath with your feet up at one end of it, you know, but it's just <laughs> a strange way to <laughs> try and control a car. <laughs> How was the NASCAR? How did that go across there? Yeah, Jensen was driving that, right? Yeah, it was mega. It was like the most popular car there, obviously. It sounds so good. Yeah. They made it quick. Like, it was quicker than all the Porsche 911s, Ferrari sort of road-derived cars. The kind of GT3 category? Yeah, yeah. But So there's GT3 they're going to next year. So at Le Mans, they have an even more technically advanced class called GTE. But the NASCAR was three or four seconds a lap quicker. No way! Wow. Yeah, because I think, obviously, the GTE cars have to conform to rules. They're all pegged on power to probably somewhere-ish, 500-ish horsepower. The NASCAR was in a class of its own. It was an invitational class. Yeah, yeah. So I suspect it had like 750 horsepower or something. But it was bloody quick. And loud, too. Yeah, so loud. Everyone said they were woken up every four and a half minutes around the track. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> yeah it's a beast. And it got so filthy. You know, endurance cars look so good at the end of a race, but the NASCAR, because I guess it's physically bigger than everything, yeah. it was like, it just was a magnet to every bug in Le Mans. So it just looked absolutely <laughs> awesome at the end of it. Yeah, it was it was cool. And they did really, really well. They're talking about maybe having several there one year, which would be a nice touch, but we'll see what happens. Now, when you were doing that, we it seems from everyone's Instagram that this gap between Spain and Canada for, I know at least three of the hosts oh. here was lover's time. I think it started first, Jethro, you were texting me that you and the missus were out having a lovely evening, got a sitter, took some time oh. for yourself. That sounded romantic and wonderful. It was, uh, yeah, you know, it was a civilized, grown-up evening mm -hmm. in London town. Wink, wink. No, it was good. <laughs> it was very good. I, and Charlie, I saw, oh my God. I missed you at Le Mans, but I certainly didn't miss Charlie on horseback shirtless down in uh, Mexico. Yeah. Unbelievable. Went down, to, went down to Cabo for three days, 10-year wedding anniversary trip. Mm. Um, and it was awesome. I haven't been to Cabo, so that was the first. Was there a lot of fanfare about you on that horse? Were people gathering and pointing and stuff? <laughs> like, what was the scene with you? I felt bad. I think I was too big for the horse. Yeah, um, I was nervous for the horse. But, you know, right outside our hotel, there were these horses there the whole time. And I had just been staring at them. Baking in them. Sorry. Yeah, they're just cooking out there. And I wanted to get on one so bad. Erica <laughs> wants nothing to do with horses. Mm. And I'm like, I'm going to get on one day. I'm going to do it. And she's like, well, maybe. I'll. And she wasn't going to do it. So finally, I, I went down, told the guy I wanted to give me 30 minutes on this, on this stallion. <laughs> 30 and, minutes. Yeah. Mm. And I got him to... Uh, Get some photos for me. <laughs> Did the guy? <laughs> so that's the guy. Oh. Erica didn't take those. Nope. Oh, my God. Was, it, how... was it for the ride or for the photos? Both. Both, yeah. Yeah. Photos Both. first, ride second. Yeah. yeah. Well. I mean, the ride didn't happen if the photos don't happen. I wonder culturally what was going on for that guy. Like, I wonder if in his community he's officially crossed a line <laughs> by having a photo shoot with a shirtless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Man, I, I'm I riding mean, bareback. He, he knew what I wanted. He <laughs> He's like, all right, I'm going to get the horse to run. And he would take a video and <laughs> ripping down the beach. It was awesome. How many of the 30 minutes did you actually use the horse? Because I feel like you might get not fun after 10 well, minutes. So I was wearing just my bathing suit mm -hmm. and got the worst rash from oh. this old burning saddle <laughs> and this horse bouncing around all sandy and <laughs> did you have the guy photograph your thighs your rash inner thighs but it was uh it was awesome and then we just hung on the beach mm. wow. at the pool 
And then we shot off to New York City this weekend mm-hmm. for a wedding. And boy, oh boy, did we have the best time ever. And some burgers? Oh, two Emily burgers wow. within the span of 16 hours. We first day there, landed red eye, took way too long of a nap, woke up just before our 5 p.m. <laughs> reservation for dinner. Went And, you know, it's been four years since I had that burger, Emily Burger Brooklyn. I started to wonder if I've, like, romanticized it so much that it's not possibly going to live up to the expectation. Yep. Waste of time fearing that. It was maximum. It's a it's the best burger in the world. Buy it. Like a smash standard deviation. Or- no, 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 no. It is a big, hearty burger on a pretzel bun. The magic of it is it, it's really like they dumped a whole bowl of French onion soup on top of it. <laughs> and then the pretzel roll on top. Just and it, soaks it just, it up. Chris and I were talking about it. It's like, once you pick that burger up, you can't set it down. There's no setting uh-huh. it down or it'll just turn into soup, I think. Uh-huh. So you run through it because you're holding it the whole time. You never stop. And God bless Belle. She fucking housed this thing so quick. Woke up the next morning, again, delayed because of the time change. We probably woke up at 10 or 11. And she said, we're back at noon. I got us so. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> so God. We, just, we slept <laughs> off the first burger. And then we woke up and went directly back there and had it again. Then went to this wedding and took about two hours sitting to let it pass uh-huh. to work its way through us. Awesome. Well, they delivered a, the kit here, right? Mm, they do, oh, and it's delicious. Was? I remember that. That's the Manhattan version. That is not the Brooklyn version. Okay, because even that was way better than it should have been coming in a box from wherever. And Can't so, recommend it enough. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I figured live and in person, it's got to be pretty damn good. And again, that's the subpar burger that right. you loved. Yeah. 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 So this burger, I mean, this is worth a pilgrimage if you <laughs> like burgers yeah. to go to. It's in... Uh, Clinton Hill in New York City, uh, Emily Pizza is what it's called, but boy, that burger. I think I uh, secured a new listener while we were there, too. Oh, you did? We, Tell uh, me. We uh, Well, I love on vacation trying to figure out where people are from. Oh, know? yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. there's bachelorette parties, there's groups. All these people were like, where do you think they're from? And there was this couple, and they were fancy. Mm. Like, they were at the pool at her hotel. The wife looked like, she kind of looked like Rihanna, mm. but done up mm. for the pool, like, Stylish shades, bright red lipstick, and he was very stylish too. And then we noticed at some point they had two girls that kept coming in and out, but they had two nannies with them. Two? Two. Oh, wonderful. And we're like, where do you think they're from? So finally, the second day, he was wearing the Pirelli first place hat. Oh, perfect. So I was like, well, I can go find out. So I asked him, like, F1 fan? He's, yeah, and he's from Nigeria. And then we started talking about the podcast and going to Canada, and he's been a lifelong fan of F1. So I told him to give it a listen. We oh, wonderful. Have, we might have gotten a new oh. listener. You might have um, given us a, a couple-digit increase. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's important. Me wow. and Laura had a good romantic weekend, though. Oh, we got to talk did. about for a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Talk, walk so, us well, through that. Well, first we watched the Arnold documentary. Oh, my God. It's so good. Thanks and for bringing it up. Sylvester Stallone was popping up through it. Mm-hmm. And I recently read all three Rambo books. And whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. There's a, <laughs> there's a book version of the Rambo films? The The first movie was based <laughs> off of the book. First Blood. Yes. Then the other books, the movie was written, and then they had to go back to the author. So at the beginning of the book, he describes his process, which he didn't want to do, uh-huh. but they kind of forced his hand. Regardless, we decided to watch all three Rambos, and they hold up. Okay, mm. very romantic, first of all. <laughs> Clearly, apex romanticism. And I'd nev- I don't remember watching the movies. Like, I know I did, but it's been so long. So the books really got me in. And then I would kind of pause it and explain Laura the book. Uh-huh. 
I find like egotistically, I love talking about a book because I n- never read a book for 20 years. So I'd be like, oh, the book is way better. That's my favorite thing to say. <laughs> Enjoy. And you went back with Rambo. I yeah. mean, <laughs> <laughs> very intellectual. The, the pure intellectual <laughs> choice. I haven't seen the Arnold one. Is, is it good? It's incredible. Tremendous. It's on Netflix. Is it new? All I wanted was for him to run for president after. And then I realized that. I didn't realize he can run for all the different offices, but president, you have to be born in the U.S. And he's apparently made an attempt at some point and trying to change that that law. Mm-hmm. Can The Rock run for president? Was he born in the U.S.? I feel like The Rock is destined to be president one day. One he was one. born in Hayward, California. Hayward? That's The Rock? Yep. Dwayne Johnson? Yep. The big guy? <laughs> <laughs> are we all talking about the same guy? The biggest? Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> And he doesn't seem to be too threatened by the fact that I've named myself Megalith, right? Which is far larger than, than a rock. Way bigger. Yeah, just the rocks roll off of Megalith. Yeah. And we don't even notice. <laughs> um, well, what a romantic <laughs> weekend, man. Laura's so lucky. Charlie took his bride down to Mexico. I went out to New York, looked at the beautiful view, and you guys sat hunkered down and got through all three Rambos. <laughs> What's next? Oh, I... I'm surprised you didn't want to do True Lies, I think. Schwarzenegger. Yeah, tr- True Lies, I think, will be next. I was reminded in the doc that I think, was it six days before the election or something like that? Mm-hmm. Story broke in the LA yeah. Times of um, 15 accusers yeah. of, of groping. And then that came out, which led to 10 more coming out within the next couple of days. So he went into the election with 25. Uh, groping accusers, and he some and he, he, bo- and he boosted prevailed. his he boosted yeah, his numbers it, during that. It, it skyrocketed. But what his. was interesting, he addressed it and like you know, I don't know, but he immediately just kind of admitted it. He did and apologize yeah. and said he makes mistakes, which I just think in the political landscape, no one does that. It's just deny, 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 deny. He's a bit of a paradox in that he's like blindly optimistic and doesn't listen to anything. And then yet also admits when he fails and learns from his mistakes. It's a curious combination. Yeah. It's like part, he's half Trump and then half kind of like evolved person yeah. who takes responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fascinating. And just the way he handles the situation with having the, the son with yeah. the house staff ends up weirdly being beautiful. He's like, you know, I, he's like, I don't like to talk about this in public, but, uh, because it causes so much pain. Now I'm doing Toto. I can't remember. <laughs> it's I, the, I was it's doing the Toto. Same, same person. It's the same. But it, but I caused so much pain, and uh, you know, I just I'm willing to do it because I want my son to know I'm proud of him, and I'm proud to be associated with him, and I want him in my life, and I want everyone to know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh God, you got me there right yeah. at the end. Like you're willing to do yeah. all this so that your son feels seen and connected. Mm-hmm. It was great, and then also it was a hell of a weekend on Netflix because also the yes. Tour de France oh. doc came out. Have you guys, either of you, started watching uh, uh, that? I know Matt and I have. Whew. Yeah, Matt sees every single thing you guys know, yeah. right? Like, there's- well, between the two of you, you guys watch more <laughs> things than anyone. It's my hobby. <laughs> I think it's deeper than a hobby. I think it's like your yeah. main. We gotta figure out a monetize. I didn't have a TV it. in my house till I was, I think, fourteen. So it just became this thing that was like Same. obsessed with it after. Oh, okay. So I'm open to being wrong, but um, it wasn't the most eventful two-week gap in races it was not. as far as fun pulp. But I did recently start following David Croft, a.k.a. Crofty. Mm-hmm. Does anyone else follow Crofty? No. 
Well, you guys would be delighted to find out that he attended a metal fest this weekend and particularly loved ACDC. And he has a picture of himself posted at this metal festival giving devil horns. Charlie's signature move. Not what I expected That's from That's what Crofty. I gave on the horse. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are the same Did you give him a little devil horn on yeah. the horse? Yeah. What do you think about Crofty at a metal festival? Does that seem in keeping with his brand, Jethro? Or newer to Crofty than you. Where was he? Was it Donington? Was it the one in the UK? Download Metal Festival. Yeah. Um, Do you know of that festival? I mean, I think there was a period in F1 where you you had to like card rock. It was like one of the mm. rules. You either were into Phil Collins mm. or <laughs> heavy metal. There, I remember for many years when I was a kid, there was a magazine called Autosport, which is still going, and it used to like, do profiles of the F1 drivers at the start or end of every season. I can't remember. And one of the questions was always favorite music. Can I guess what the top one was? Iron Maiden? No. Oh. Like 16 out of 24 drivers would say Phil Collins. It oh. was the weirdest thing. I don't know what it was. They were all grown in the same lab and they, you know, Phil Collins was always on or something. But it was just this really weird phenomena. Yeah. I should dig them out. But there was a time. So Hard Rock... Yeah, I think it fits into the... It, I wouldn't think of Crofty as a real hardcore rocker, but it sort of makes sense from the... Last week's comment. The environment he's in, yeah. Mm. Well, one thing I think that I don't want to talk about that we should talk about, because I think people will be naturally curious, is Daniel Ricardo and Will Arnett are going to be hosting a broadcast, an alternative broadcast mm -hmm. of the Canadian Grand Prix. And I think most people... And when I say most people, me, think, well, why wasn't I offered to do a show with Daniel Ricardo? We're best buddies. And I just wasn't. I mean, that's the long and the short. And I would say, I'd look through some of the comments and I'd say that is what most people think. Well, I will say I was asked to participate with them. They both did request. So they're, they're, they're lovely. There's, I, I just wanted oh, to address yeah, yeah, yeah. that it seems like. Was that after you text them to ask where your invite was? Or, do, or, was, it, or was it a preemptive <laughs> invite? <laughs> I just did the, like, um, the emoji with the tear coming out of the eye. Just sent three yeah, of those uh -huh. to each guy. <laughs> Have fun in Canada. Well, Will is Canadian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would he is. be crazy if he didn't go. I'm not going to participate because uh, Father's Day. Ah, oh, Father's yeah. Day. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you guys shouldn't go work on Father's Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you guys will be there. We've done this now for two races. Two Miamis ago, we skipped out on Mother's Day oh, and, and was... didn't, we booked it so far in advance. We didn't even know. Showed up like, oh, so we're going to be here over Mother's Day. Perfect. And we have <laughs> the moms with the kids at home. Yeah. And then this year I was texting Matt, like, I didn't realize it was Father's Day when we we were scheduling so much stuff. And then yeah. all of a sudden, all right, I guess we'll be uh, at the race on Father's but Day. But I, I didn't either. Me not knowing I'm a father, I was like, I'm not a father. So I would be like, well, that is the greatest Father's Day gift to, to go to, to go. one race. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the equivalent of what we have now learned to do with the wives, which is you give them a spectacular day away from all the kids and us. And that's how you thank them. So you can eat barbecue. Yes. So it feels, you know, yeah. I feel like you earned this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you guys looking forward to this? Looking forward. And also, I go to bed a lot of nights nervous. <laughs> I was like, Dax had a hard time at this. <laughs> well, failed. Miserably. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. you got two sound bites that were worth it all. So, you know, me and Charlie have some things up our sleeves to make this great. But it's still nerve-wracking. Like, I've... I, I it's hope different. It, yes, I'm sure. I, I had the thought because in truth, aside from Father's Day, I'm hosting 
this panel for Robert Downey's new car show. And that was on Saturday night. So I'm like, I won't be able to get there in time for the race, which really impacted me being able to go. Yep. I found out yesterday it's actually on Friday. So then uh-huh. I had the thought, oh my God, is there a way for me to fly there and spy on YouTube? <laughs> I almost want, my idea was to go around and film from behind YouTube failing and how much fun that would be. <laughs> I haven't entirely ruled that out other than Kristen planned a big Father's Day. So uh-huh. I, can't, I don't know at this point if I can pull the uh, ripcord. But I did think what could be better if I was there with like, I don't even know what my disguise is. I already have a maybe a clean shave. Yeah. <laughs> shave your head, shave your beard. <laughs> yeah, and just, yeah. yeah. Wear an eye patch. And <laughs> to be fair, we'll probably be so distracted trying to get stuff. But you could <laughs> no, I really think it'd be easy to, like, yeah. anyone could have been following us. We were in such a tailspin. Yep. We're eventually going to have to send Jethro so that we can get something. There will be no judgment here, boys. So there's no pressure whatsoever. Yeah, I'm sure you will not judge us. We will not judge or take the piss in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> no, whatever the outcome is, we'll celebrate. But it's almost like I hope we have failures. I hope they're huge failures. <laughs> I hope you guys get kicked out. Yeah. I mean, on some level, I hope. I feel pretty good about it, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think there's a potential runner here, which is if you keep cornering Toto and each time you're with a crazier looking guy, like (laughs) Toto didn't know who I was. I just Mm -hmm. was in a tank top with a good amount of tattoos. But now you're going to be there, completely covered in tattoos and really long hair. And I think maybe for... Austin, we get maybe a Duck Dynasty guy, pull him off the bench yeah. and Charlie. And just have that be it. Finally, it would occur to Toto, like, he'd be looking forward to see who Charlie drugged to the race. <laughs> and maybe that is it. You're dragging a guy yeah. along at some yeah. point. Someone in handcuffs. I got to find him again. <laughs> it seems like it seems like Brundle is, like, just grabbing people he doesn't recognize on the grid now. So if you can get on the grid, there is a chance... If you're styling it out enough in a tank top or whatever, that Brunda will approach you and ask you what you're doing, which could be great. Imagine that. He calls everyone the wrong name too, so maybe that should just be our strategy. Like I go up to Charles and I'm like, Carlos, how are you feeling about today's race? And just everyone, we say the wrong name and see how much people hate us. (laughs) I just had a great idea. I think we should put some time and thought into which names everyone knows, but maybe you don't know what they look like. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's say Ed Sharon. You definitely know the name Ed Sharon, but maybe some of these guys, Toto and Crawford, actually don't know what he looks like. I think we should think of some really ubiquitous names and introduce yourself as these as very it. famous names, and they will just have to assume you are. Like, tell Coffee that you're Sam Mendez. That were the Jonas Brothers? Yeah. Yes, the Jonas yeah. Brothers. That would be a perfect one. I guarantee Toto doesn't know what they look like. <laughs> That's true. I don't think they know what anyone looks like. Or tell him you're Dulipa. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's so weird. I was literally about to say I'm like AJ from the Backstreet Boys. Dulipa. Dulipa. Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
do you know what you're doing, boys? Do you know? Have you had like an itinerary of what you're doing and your breakdown? Yeah, we do have the benefit of having a schedule this time, mm-hmm. and a great coordinator in Vince. Yeah, incredible, incredible. He's working on final itinerary, but we are going to talk to Alessandro. Did you get the FI accreditation? I think Maybe. so. I'm not sure. He sent it all in, or he's. We have a call tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, we're going to do the the hair bit with the drivers. And he's trying to get us anyone. I think we're going to get a race strategist, uh, Botas's trainer. Mani- one, um, someone who acts as like a manager. Could you enter with your cutting equipment? I think a move might be to set up a little mobile haircutting station out in front of Mercedes <laughs> and just see if you can drum up some business. <laughs> Have some photos of famous clients of yours surrounding you so they know you're a legitimate... Just just like an old model book where it's like a binder and I have all the photos. I'm like, here, come look, come look. Yeah, look at my lookbook and then let's get you cleaned up for this race, Toto. I'm so excited to see what you guys get or don't get. I think yeah. both will be fantastic. I'm excited for the poutine, to be honest with you. I'm excited to introduce Charlie the first night to nice cheesy fries and gravy. You know what poutine is, Jethro? No. When I hear that, I think of Irish bootleg poutine, which is what people used to smuggle into my school to drink. <laughs> It's Canada's national dish. It's French fries covered with like chunky cheese curds and then smothered in gravy. And it's the greatest thing to have after cocktails. Sounds good. Yeah. It sounds like a great accompaniment to a Rambo marathon. Yes. <laughs> it is the perfect. <laughs> That's the best finger food for a Rambo. Rambo-a-thon. Oh, yeah. I think it's just, it's as close as you can name a snack to pussy as possible. Mm. It's got a poontine. It's just got like, it's in, intrinsically a little nasty. Poontine? Yeah. The, for all the French, there's you like. You can eat poontine on In Friday? Montreal, there's a bunch of like swear words. All the swear words there are religious. Oh. So it's like uh, like the sacrament. So if you stub your toe, you'd be like, sacrament. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Or tabernacle. They'd be like, tabernac. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's so I love it. When I'm in Montreal, I love using those swear words. Wow. Yeah. You're going to brush up on your biblical yeah. terms yeah. on the flight over there. Can you speak in? You can't speak any French, can you? Um, petit peu. Is that it's a little bit okay, but yeah. it was that is that all of it though? Uh, je parle le français. Uh, je suis ici aujourd'hui. Oh my god! So I'm here today. Uh, I don't know a lot. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, French Canadians like the French though, where no matter how much you try to speak to them in French, they will reply in a really condescending way in English, as if to say, "Just don't even try." A, a little bit. The only thing that's annoying in can well. It's great we have two official languages, but then every time you go anywhere, every sign has both of them. Oh, every announcement on the plane takes twice as long. Oh. It's the announcements on the plane that really get me. <laughs> oh, it's killer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I took a second to learn a little bit of history about the Canadian Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. I found out that it was first hosted in 1978. It was then called the Circuit El Notre Dame. Mm, I don't know. I'd have to have you pronounce that probably for me. Mm. The first winner of the race in 70 was, how do I say his name? Gilles? Gilles. Gilles? Gilles Villeneuve. Gilles Villeneuve. Gilles Villeneuve. The father of Gilles Jacques. Villeneuve. Gilles Villeneuve. Some people say he's the best driver of all time. How come? Not statistically. No, but he, well, he died. So, but he was spectacular in a car, massive natural talent. Mm. There's a film recently came out about his demise. Him and Peroni were teammates and they had some sort of deal 
I should look this up. I, I'm going to sound really ignorant now, but they had some sort of deal in the race before where they wouldn't overtake each other in the last stint or whatever. I, I can't remember the details. And um, Peroni, by some circumstance or another, ended up ahead of Villeneuve and he felt he had um, been lied to, basically. And he was absolutely determined to beat him in the next round. And that's when he crashed and was killed in the car. So there's a, there's meant to be a fantastic film stroke documentary that recently came out about it. We should probably watch yeah. it one day. And did you yeah. say his adversary slash teammate's name was Peroni's? Peroni, yeah. Okay, do you know what Peroni's is? I momentarily had it. No. It's when your dick it's is... It's a broken dick. Curved. That's well, hey, Ronies. <laughs> How did you momentarily have a broken dick? I think well, you're talking you. about the beer, not the... And then there's also the beer, Peroni. Bear with me if you've heard this on the other podcast, but um, there was a sex accident between Kristen and I where she was in a cowgirl sitch and was going to lower herself and lost her footing and or balance. And there was a loud and the most painful and searing snap of my life. Wow. There was a full 180 bend back of the erect penis. It was like someone shot a starter pistol in the room. And then I was immediately screaming. It was incredible. It felt like someone put a very hot uh, steak knife into the center of my penis. I didn't think much of it. I guess a few months went what do you by. Mean you months. didn't think much of it. There was no emergency visit. There was no doctor visit. There was no doctor visit. I was just like, we'll get through this. Uh, best way is to work through it. Were you like just a thinking that injury. it's not a bone? That, <laughs> exactly. That, that You're starting to stretch. Yeah. I'm like, nothing can break, right? There's no yeah. bone in there. And I just kind of ignored it. And then I, I don't know how many months later, but I started to notice, huh, my penis is shaped different. And it seems to be in the middle of a transition. <laughs> I could tell it was, it was starting to change shape. So then I went and saw my urologist and uh, he starts squeezing around my penis. Oh. It hurts. And he's like, okay, I think what you have is Peroni. So you've had some blood vessel damage. And now the blood's flowing in a way and it's creating bigger blood vessels than the ones that aren't damaged. You know, sometimes this will end in your penis being non-functional. It'll curve so bad that you oh, can't use it. No. And I said, well, what can you do? And he said, well, 50% of the time it just heals itself. The other 50% of the time you have to have a surgery. I'm going to set you up with the surgeon. I go meet the surgeon. In there I learn that 50% of the time that they do the procedure, you will never get an erection again. Oh. And I found that out at like 39 years old, maybe 40. Wow. And I was like, hold on a second. This might be over? And so he said, look, you know, we'll just wait basically another six, seven, eight months to your year out from the injury and we'll know which direction it's going. I got to add... That after the first urologist squeezed the penis a bunch and looked at it, he goes, I really need to see it erect. Oh. And I go, yeah, I don't know how that's going to happen in this room. And he goes, no, obviously not. It's, go home and next time you have an erection, send me some pics. <laughs> and I said, you want me to send you some dick pics? Oh, God. He opens up his phone. He goes, look at my phone. And he's just scrolling through his text his message. Hundreds. It's just all dick pics. He has hundreds uh. and hundreds of dick pics because he's a urologist. So sure enough, I get, you know, some point in a few days later, I find myself fully engorged by myself. <laughs> and I think, oh, time to 
pop some pictures <laughs> off and I was trying to get like, you know, lighting angles that would really <laughs> accentuate the Peronis and stuff. It was quite a ride. Yeah. All this to say, almost to the day, like a year later, it just started unraveling. It all like fixed itself somehow. There's a lot of 50% numbers in <laughs> yes. that are not. It was really a, scary. Yeah, since 50% don't heal and then 50%. So it was really 25% chance at that point that I'm never, my penis isn't working again. And I, I had like, you know, it was a background anxiety that yeah. was pretty present for about four or five months. Yeah. And then it all fixed itself out. But anyways, Peronis, I do wonder if it was named after this famous driver. Maybe he suffered from uh, mm. Ben Dick syndrome. How do you spell it? He's Didier Peroni, P-I-R-O-N-I. I can hardly spell Dax, so your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> the fact that a, I can even say Peroni. I think there's a Y in the condition. Okay. I think. Okay. That's scary. Okay. Where were we? We were talking about Canada, uh, that the track was named after Gia's Villanova. Yeah. Gia's <laughs> Villanova. Oh, boy. His Villanova. <laughs> That's hard. Love it. <laughs> and uh, I did watch last year's race in preparation of today. It was a good one. It's a great yeah. track. People love it. It's fast. There's a ton of hard, hard braking in it, which is yeah. great for passing and mix-ups. Last year, of course, Yuki DNF'd. Uh, Alonzo started in second last year. If everyone remembers in quali, it was raining and Max got pole. Alonzo was in second. I think Sainz was in third. And then for most of the race, it was really Sainz and Max. And Max valiantly held him off for yeah. 20 laps on old tires last year to stay in first, which was quite exciting. But it's a great, big, fast track with two DRS zones. And I think it's going to be great. Lewis got his first win. There. That was his first ever win. Mm -hmm. Ah. And last year was Max's first win in Canada. It could be exciting. And Lewis did very well in that race as well. I think Lewis finished third last year. And there's the old Wall of Champions. Mm -hmm. Wall of Champions. Tell everyone about the Wall of Champions. Well, I think, Jethro, this might be for you. Tell us about the Wall of Champions. Um, it's a wall that a lot of people crash into, mm -hmm. many of whom are champions. That's, that's the long and the short. <laughs> that's good. That <laughs> and it's like good. turn 12 or something like that. No it's... editing required. Really good job. I, I, th <laughs> I think it was, speaking of Villeneuve, was it Jacques Villeneuve who first crashed into it and then it was called the wall of champions i believe and then it just seemed to always suck in like really big names former champions great drivers yeah and the, the beauty of it is to be quick you have to really skim it it's almost like a monaco situation but obviously it punishes you as well so it's uh it's a spectacular place to watch the cars because they're often hopping over the curb sliding the car and trying to keep it out of the wall so it's uh it's a good place and it breeds drama and safety cars which is something that could mm -hmm. be uh, a good way to keep the field closed up. Yeah. We haven't had a safety car in, what, two races? I think so three. Matt, I, I have a guess of what aspect of the Canadian Grand Prix you're liable to talk about. <laughs> Are you going to talk about Gary the Gary. Groundhog? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, our furry friend, Yeah, Gary. tell us about Gary the Groundhog. Oh, well, yeah. Gary the Groundhog has been spotted on the track, and there's actually new footage oh. of Gary popping up on the track. So Gary's going to be back. He's got a hole in the side of the track. He ran across the track last year, and he has Gary's no back. idea it's Father's Day. He will be there. He'll yeah, be there. it's unconfirmed if it's the same Gary. <laughs> we are going to call him Gary nonetheless. There is a ground dog there, and we hope that he lives through this race weekend. That would be a disaster. 
to see Gary go. If he does die, I hope it's because he gets hit and thrown violently into the wall of champions so he can mm. have a Vikings funeral. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would actually be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he's splattered. I like perfectly. that. Do they like have that. to change it to the wall of Gary after that? <laughs> oh, Gary's wall Gary's of champions. Wall of champions. <laughs> but I think they'd have to put like lacquer over it so it was preserved there oh, forever. Yes. So, so, yeah. And then the drivers would like kiss their their tips of their mm. fingers and then touch the wall where <laughs> yeah. Gary the, gro- <laughs> the groundhog is. Other groundhogs would gather to mourn. Oh. <laughs> if you want to see a great crash in F1, I know we don't like crashes when people get hurt, but Robert Kubica in a BMW, I can't remember what year it was, had the most enormous crash at Canada, and it's mm. worth seeking out on YouTube just to see okay. um, the sheer energy that these cars possess, uh, mm. that you, you don't notice it until they start flying off the track, but also how safe the cars are. It was a long time ago, but he, um, it was a monster. It's like a plane crash. Amazing. Did you see they're starting to mess, they're putting arrow on the halo now? Do you see any of that? I guess the... Oh, really? Yeah, the Aston has these two dishes that's supposed to reduce turbulence inside the cockpit and some drag that comes from that. Hmm. But I wonder how much you can fuck with the halo. I would have thought the halo was off limits. I would have thought it was like the only spec piece in the... They figured it out and it's locked in. Yeah, but apparently you can put arrow on the halo. I guess if it conforms to safety, i.e. it's all about load, how much load that thing can take, then if it has some sort of aero benefit, they can, mm. um, yeah, if it's not in the regulations, they can't do it, then they'll do it. That's that's the beauty of it. It just shows how fucking creative this whole thing is. Someone was yeah. like, well, shit, what are we doing about the halo? That thing's doing something and in the air. that little piece makes enough of a difference yeah. that someone's dedicated their time and money to figuring out that tiny little thing. Yes, and, and analyzing matters. just that little piece in the wind tunnel, uh, it's incredible. Shall I give you my um, Adrian Newey facts of the podcast? Of course. He's got a new course. book coming out. He's, he's got a new book that just came out. Oh, my God. Jethro, are you uh, going to be standing in line like a Mac product <laughs> oh, being yeah. released? Oh, God. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll be like Matt at Rambo 4. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's next. But talking about innovations, right? So I looked up some of his stats, which are crazy. One of them was FW14B. So it was 92... It was Williams. It was completely dominant, like a lot of his cars. But it had, back in the day, you're allowed active suspension. So you could completely change and manipulate the ride height. You could have ABS. You could have traction control. You could have a lot of things that have since been outlawed. With the active suspension, he effectively made a DRS. So down the straights, they would just drop the ride height at the rear of the car to stall the rear wing and cut the drag. And it was activated by a button on the steering wheel. It was like a push to pass button. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. That's a car Bruce drove. Isn't that the one that the active suspension Williams beat Senna? Like Senna just couldn't compete with that car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were... So Nigel Mansell put it on pole at Silverstone. Mm. And his teammate was second. And Senna was third. So Senna was the first non-Williams car. And Senna was three seconds slower from first to third. In qualifying? That was the difference. In qualifying. Is that the biggest delta ever? It must be. And in the race, it was, again, two or three seconds a lap quicker very often. Wow. It was just completely dominant. It's so funny how short everyone's memory is, right? Because we're, we're everyone's like, yeah. proposing yeah, yeah. that this is the biggest gap ever. And then even the Mercedes era had bigger gaps. And now this is 2x of the Mercedes gap. That gives you time to get out of the car at pit stops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. You know? After 10 laps, you've got like an extra 30 seconds on your hand. You get out stretched. Yeah, the only thing is back in the day, the cars were not reliable. So very often 
championships were closer than they looked. Cars used to retire all the time. You forget, like very often drivers were retiring seven races out of 16. You know, it was a totally different ball game. Yeah. Exploding in a fireball. But Newey has won up until this year, which we won't include, but obviously it's going to increase. He's won 11 world championship constructors for manufacturers. No. 11? 12 drivers championships. So that's going to go up to 13 this year. And up to the start of this year, from what I could work out, it's a bit tricky. His cars have won 193 Grand Prix. Jeez Louise. You were right. There's no one else has that record. No no manufacturer, no. And he's also lived through the two most dominant eras ever in F1, which he wasn't actually in on in in some ways, the Schumacher era. Mm -hmm. So there was a whole period of time where he didn't win. And then the Lewis Hamilton hybrid era where he stepped away because he was like, it's effectively become an engine formula. Mercedes have got the best engine and we can't compete. So he got a bit disillusioned and mm-hmm. he's only recently come back. Oh, so he was gone for a minute? He basically was still at Red Bull, but he was very disillusioned because he was like, our engine's so crap. It doesn't matter what we do. We, uh. we cannot win it. He called it an engine formula. Mm. Um, and so he went off. He stayed within Red Bull and he did oversee certain things, but he effectively was given freedom to do America's Cup stuff with the boats and various a road car project, the Aston Martin Valkyrie. And they were really clever because rather than losing him to either a rival team or altogether, they basically said, you can go and do what you want under the Red Bull umbrella, but you don't have to be day-to-day on the Formula One car. And then as soon as there was a rule change, which is when he always makes the biggest difference because he reads the rules in a different way to other people's. He he, he came back. So, mm. yeah, they've they've managed to prolong his career and create this new mm. era of dominance. So, yeah, pretty clever. Wow. Yeah, 11 and 12. That's bonkers, which will be 12 and 13 at the end of this season. And his first job was in um, IndyCar, and, and his, he designed a March chassis. And the first year it won the championship, and in its second race it won the Indy 500, Jeez. and then they did it again the next year. Like, wow. yeah, just next level. Masterful. That's incredible. Um, any hot gossip for us other yeah. than um, Gary the Groundhog? So what I love about an off week in F1 is that the internet goes wild trying to find something. And one of the biggest things I saw was Max walking into a restaurant wearing a tote bag. And that went viral because he was just had a tote bag over his shoulder, like a grocery tote bag. But he was shirtless? No, he just had a tote bag (laughs) over his shoulder and the internet went crazy that Max had a tote bag over his shoulder. And this is what happens on an off week in F1. It's news like that that goes viral. Wow. (laughs) I also saw Red Bull posted mm-hmm. on their own feed, Max training on that crazy steering wheel we've talked about. Yeah. Yep. Where the steering wheel is clearly hooked to some kind of major resistance. So he's doing that. He's turning it left, right, left, right. And then he was doing some other thing that kind of made you spin your body and all this resistance. Much different look on his face in yeah. this workout routine than then the one he posted. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a much different sitch when they're choosing the weight that he moves around. Uh-huh. Yeah, he looked like he was dying. Uh-huh. There was also a shirtless photo that popped up of he and his gal. Uh-huh. And I love he just looked like if you saw him at the beach, you would just go like, the guy looks completely normal. He's not an athlete or anything. He's yep. just he's just a guy who doesn't seem to overeat, I guess. So I got an interesting thing. I saw a post on Reddit about God, the amount on Reddit? Yeah. The amount of radio messages that each driver does throughout a race weekend. So the number. Oh, okay. So this is total number of radio calls in through their whole weekend. Who do you think has the lowest and what amount do you think of radio calls they do? 
Boy, the lowest. I, I want to go to the highest, but I'm going to okay. say Albon. I think okay. Botas. Botas? Oh, great pick. He's retired. Okay. Yeah. So he's got nothing. He's, he's got nothing to say. He's not even thinking about you. The lowest is Nick DeVries. Oh. Uh, yep. And he did 156 radio calls in over the weekend. Whoa. Okay. So now <laughs> so let's, much higher because you're misled by the broadcast. Yeah. You yeah. Think they're well, only talking yeah. once every it's a, There's a very big discrepancy. Oh, wow. So the top one. Who's Can I guess? Your, yep. Oh, I'll go. I'll go last. Top. George. Lewis. Lewis loves a chat. George. <laughs> Lewis loves the chat. I was going to guess George, too. <laughs> but again, maybe we're misled because the last broadcast, he wouldn't shut the fuck up. Yeah. Um, it's Jethro's guy, Ocon, at 525 uh, messages over the weekend. Whoa. Wow. Like, the discrepancy between some of these is wow. wild. 2X. And, like, it really broke it down from, like, practice. Like, practice one, there was a fair amount. Mm -hmm. And then I think on the race, DeVries had 15 and then other people were having like 123 on race. So like, whoa, I, <laughs> so maybe he's checked out too. <laughs> yes. So I got two really good ones and they're both Le Mans related. One is to us. First, Alonzo made a statement that he wants to do Le Mans with Max, which. Oh, of course. Those two are years falling down the road, but that'll, They are in love right they now. They are in love. It's really great. I'm nervous for them. It's like such a dream relationship that I'm almost nervous. And Alonso's won Le Mans twice. Yeah. So when he took his career break from F1, he went to Toyota. Th to be fair, they had a completely dominant car, so the only competition was his teammate, but still cool that he went there and he won. They mm -hmm. should wait until Charles commits yeah. and then go, okay, yeah, we'll do it too, just to rain on his parade yeah. a little uh -huh. bit. Yeah. <laughs> and the last one is I found a version of Le Mans that I think that we, the four of us, need to do. It's called the 24 Hours of Lemons Race. Oh, we, Jethro and I know it well. You know about this. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I went down the rabbit hole. You cannot spend, including parts, more than $500 to purchase and update your car, or you get lap penalties where you have to start later. And then they look at your car and put you in various categories. And four people or, or whoever, it's a full 24-hour race. And the one that I think that we should do is December 2nd to 3rd in Sonoma Raceway in California. I think we should get an F1 DRS car. I think that would be the funnest weekend. We can get some onboard cameras and really make a whole Let's weekend do it. of this. Let's do it. Jethro, can you be here for that? Yeah. Well, can you buy a car for 500 bucks anymore? Like... Old cars in the UK have become more expensive. You can't buy shit for that money, basically. These cars are trash. As I remember, the hack to keep everyone honest is apparently you're entitled to buy the person's winning car off them for 500 bucks at the end. Okay. Uh, That's how they kind of keep you honest. So if you go out and spend six grand, someone else is going to buy that car for $500 for sure and then race it next year. So I, I think that's the mechanism to keep everyone honest uh, in that. I like that. But, you know, we, we got to go Toyota Corolla. That's yeah. just, you've got no other option. We're going to have to <laughs> forego lap times with the, the goal of making it 24 hours, yeah. clearly, right? What's great is we already have a bus. We'll be so much oh, higher yeah. up on the totem pole than everyone else. You can't turn up with your bus. Oh, oh that yeah, car. we are. <laughs> with like a million dollar transporter <laughs> to 11. $500 Honda Civic. <laughs> we will have 25 cars crash into us simultaneously on lap one. Yeah, someone's going to try to buy the bus for $500. <laughs> no, I think we should definitely do it. What's funny is, it, yeah, they, they rope you in with this notion of a $500 a weekend, but I think ultimately uh, it's probably going to be like a $12,000. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I saw videos and nothing looked more fun. I oh, think we would yeah. have such a good time. There's there's some pretty regular, like there's some go-tos that work really well. There's a lot of Crown Vicks in it, like decommissioned police oh, cars that you can pick up yeah. for 500 bucks. You know, they generally go 300,000 miles. So that's a good pick. But yeah, this may be Jethro drives in the daytime. Is that what we learned from Nürburgring? <laughs> <laughs> Only daytime driving for, for Jethro. I think the opposite. If he can't make it through the night, I don't think I can make it. Through. I can make it one prediction is we, 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 even if we're way out in front, either Jethro or I will break the car trying to beat either Jethro or I's time, even, <laughs> no. even if victory's in the bag. <laughs> I bought that Maserati Quattroport from Top Gear pretty cheaply. That could be a good. Uh... Yeah, if we included how, how we were getting these cars from Top Gear, then <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But apparently, even like free parts, if like you know someone and gives you free parts, that's not under the $500. You have to take the actual value of what that part is worth. Okay. We just need a pit crew as well. Who's going to be looking after our cars? We could make it a, another Matt-style romantic weekend where our partners come along and, mm. and have to fix the cars they, they're the as pit we crew? break. So. <laughs> yeah. We'll watch we'll Commando Above the Law. Yeah. We'll oh, yeah. get them all yeah. lubed up with some good <laughs> 80s action movies. This <laughs> <is> perfect. <laughs> Uh, okay, should we do 10th place predictions? Oh, man. The time has arrived for everyone to do 10th place. I feel like Jethro hasn't gone first in a while. Does mm -hmm. everyone concur with that? Yeah. Okay. And you still haven't won, Jethro, right? So you can I'm never going to win. I, I, do you know what? Not only have I not won, I get further and further away <laughs> from winning. So I choose like Ocon and he comes third or second or whatever it was. It's ridiculous. It's kind of a kiss of brilliance so far you pick the person. They seem to overperform. Might be time for you to say uh, Sergeant. Max. No. Not Sergeant. Yeah, pick no. Max so that you can fuck up the race somehow. I'm going to say Lance Stroll. Good pick. He finished 10th last year. Oh, did he? Yeah, he he did, did, yeah. I was eyeing him because of last year. I thought, well, fuck, there's no good strategy to this. It's, such, <laughs> it's throwing a dart at a dartboard. Why not go with someone at least their past performance? Yep. But I do think that the Aston guys are going to be in the five six range yeah this weekend but we'll see we'll see because if he got 10th last year in a pretty slow car and alonzo was driving the alpine in second i think those two things combined they're gonna have a great weekend is my yeah. prediction but too mm -hmm. late you're you picked him yeah. so <laughs> yeah i'm sure down. he'll probably win yeah he'll probably win yeah <laughs> uh matt you want to go <sighs> i was thinking stroll mainly from the canadian aspect of it sure. like that'd be cool um Botas. Oh, wow. 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 I think he's... He that's has, smart, though, just because... He hasn't had some good races lately, and I'm cutting his hair Monday. Yeah, that's So why. that's yeah. kind of why, and then it would be great if it happens. But I think that he's really got to get in there, and I think he's maybe got... He's got to wake prove up. himself a bit yeah. here this weekend. He's got to get a good night's sleep yeah. and wake up. <laughs> I don't think he's got to. I think he's <laughs> fine cruising where he's at. Well, sure, I love what he's up to, but <laughs> yeah. if he has any shot of getting 10th, he's really got to kick got, it into oh, high yeah. gear. Oh, yeah. Charlie, who do you want? I mean, shit, at this point, I'm going to go with Yuki again. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It is. That's yeah. right. That's right. He can all, you can only lose with Yuki so many times. Yeah. He's going to hit that. <laughs> I'm going Joe Granu. Oh, I like that. Ooh. Joe Granu. I like That's that. a good one. I feel good about that one. Well, guys, I'm so excited for you both. Uh, do we want to talk about Zaddy? Our F1 oh Zaddy of the week. Oh, my God. Almost yes. Thank you, Charlie. Thank mm -hmm. you, Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. So we're going to. 
This is uh, segment two, episode two of uh, Zaddies of F1. Zaddies of F1, and we have Adam Norris. Oh, Lando's oh, father. Lando Norris's dad. He's made a ton of money. Oh, great. Um, but he was the managing director of a pension fund that got purchased by Hargraves Lansdowne, which I believe is a big financial institution in London. Jethro would know all of his bros know, yeah. from college are all in finance. Yeah, so... When they got acquired by Hargraves, he made a ton of money. And so he still owns a big stake in that company. And that was at like 33, and he's 33 years old. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, wow. He retired from that when he was 36. Of course. And he made a Bristol's Rich List at number 18, worth over wow. $250 million. Oh. But wow. also number one on that list, Matt. James Dyson. That's right. Yeah, baby. Oh, he's the richest Brit? Yeah. He owns more land than the queen, than the late queen did oh not more than the crown itself but then queen elizabeth yeah oh, her personal hold so yeah her he's personal. got a ton um he now started a new pure electric scooter company called pure electric he started that when lando got into f1 as like a way to get people around the paddocks and the tracks mm. and stuff and it's is that know. what toto's yeah. riding it might be oh my god we gotta find it out. might be that was his main thing was like he saw getting around the track was an issue i just was debating um because when i go to the track i usually bring a little track bike like a moped or a little to drive to the bathroom all that shit and i just rode someone's electric scooter that was so fast i thought why aren't i doing this throw oh. it in the back seat he said at le mans a couple teams bought him i think ferrari bought like 20 for the the weekend oh wonderful um so that's like their thing he's like in an angel investor group that, you know, invest money into all these little startups and stuff. So he's effectively been kind of investing and doing little passion Sitting projects. on a quarter billion for yeah. quite a while. Yeah. And he did all of Lando's management until he went to McLaren. He said when he went to McLaren, that yeah. was when he was finally like, all right, they've got him taken care of. Now I can go to start my scooter company. And did he race at all, do we know? Mm -mm. No, no racing. Mm -mm. Ah. And actually, um, Lando was a big MotoGP guy. Oh, a, a fan. Kid, a fan. Ah, shit. Now I might and like And then got into, saw karting or something, and his dad got him into it. But that was his first, like, motorsport love was. Ah. Okay. Well, now I know what to talk to him about, should oh, that yeah. day ever come. What about that? Rossi was racing in Le Mans. Valentino Rossi. Yeah. He won. He won his category, too. But he was in the support race, so the road to Le Mans. But that means, oh. I believe he is hoping to compete in the proper race next year. So, and he's quick, like he's properly quick. He's he's really good in a car, just like he is on a bike. Not probably as good as he was on a bike, but he's a proper quick driver. There's no comparison. Like there's debate in F1, obviously. There's like, is it Schumacher? Is it Hamilton? Is it Senna? Is it Gilles? What is his name? Gillies? Gilles. Gilles. Is it him? In MotoGP, you ask any human being, they go, oh, Valentino Rossi, the doctor, number one. No question. The doctor. Indomitable. Well, guys... I wish you tons of luck in the great north, our friendly neighbors to the north, a coming home for Matt, the prodigal son returning to shave Botas's sides. <laughs> what an exciting event. It's Father's Day. We will be back to you on Tuesday with a recap of all things Canada Grand Prix. Until then, I encourage everyone to push, 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 push,